Did you know that there are five key biohacks to start to do right now to reduce your body's inflammation, to slow cellular aging, and of course, reduce oxidative stress status. I even just recently wrote a paper on this. Check out my recent research articles over at theschoolofradiance.com. Head on over to the research tab. And while you're there, be sure to book your one-on-one -on -one session with me, if you haven't yet already, for even more customized skin and rejuvenation guidance, as well as some biohacking and detox protocols that I personally do myself. Don't forget to check out my free 30-minute masterclass over at theschoolofradiance.com. Check out the freebie section, enjoy that video, and also enjoy today's episode on the School of Radiance podcast. Today we're going to explain the differences between gynecology and urogynecology because a lot of you listeners out there are females and some of you have either had children already or haven't quite yet. So why don't you clear up the differences between who a gynecologist is and what they do and what your specialty is as a urogynecologist. By the way, Dr. Betsy Greenleaf is the first female board certified urogynecologist in U.S. No big deal. Great. Yeah, thank you. Basically, it's, it's interesting, the history of it, obstetrics, which is the delivery of babies, and gynecology, which is taking care of women's pelvises, um, used to be two different separate specialties. And I think where we're heading nowadays is I think it's actually going to start separating again. But I don't remember the exact years, but they started coming together. So a lot of people will hear like the terminology OBGYN, meaning obstetrics and gynecology. And so a lot of doctors that are in that specialty train in both. And so we train in delivering babies and dealing with pregnancy care. Um, and then from the gynecologic standpoint, it's dealing with prevention of cervical cancer and, and taking care of different like menstrual disorders or bleeding disorders and really just anything having to do with the pelvic, um, pelvic health. But then there's different offshoots of gynecology that now get into what's called your subspecialties. And they may be like a gynecologic oncologist is somebody who just deals with gynecologic cancers. And there is a reproductive endocrinologist, which is a type of gynecologist that deals with infertility or certain hormonal issues that happen in women. Where a urogynecologist is, it was funny because when I first told my mother I was going to become a urogynecologist, she thought, oh, uro, like European, like it's some kind of <laughs> fancy gynecologist, like I was some fancy trendy. And I was like, no, euro, like U-R-O, which means like pertaining to the bladder and urinary tract and gynecology. So it's a combination of both. So it, it's interesting. If you become a urogynecologist, you either have to do training in obstetrics and gynecology, and then you do your additional training in urogynecology, or you're a urologist who trains just in like kidneys, bladder, like the urinary tract, and then you do a fellowship in, um, in urogynecology. So even though that, that terminology urogynecology is used a lot nowadays, um, pro 
probably about 10 years ago, they tried to officially the specialty has been renamed, but it's so long that it's difficult for people to actually remember. But the official name of the specialty is female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. So that's what a urogynecologist is. So urogynecologists tend to deal more with, um, more like more in depth with the pelvis, more in depth with the pelvic muscles, the organs, the structures. So very common to deal with incontinence, so leaking of urine, uh, prolapse, which I joke around because you know I have people like, oh, what's a urogynecologist? And I'm like, oh, I just do facelifts down there. So because <laughs> what ends up happening is what people don't realize is that sometimes if people have had a babies or a big baby or even if someone has never had a child sometimes lifting something heavy your pelvis is open to gravity and so the organs inside the pelvis such as the vagina the bladder the rectum the uterus can sometimes droop and drop as we get older like everything else droops and drops as we get older i'm doing my kegels right now as you're saying that i know (laughs) so and then i particularly um urogynecologists will deal um with some pain conditions i that's one of my specialties that I like get very excited about is pelvic pain. Not, not that people have it, but I like to help people with pelvic pain and and sometimes like chronic infections. So bladder infections, vaginal infections. So it's just a more of a specialist that can deal, like focus more in on those problems. So that's a little bit of the difference. There's, there's only in the United States, there's only about 1,500 urogynecologists at this point in time. So it is a growing profession. Um, it's actually a very new profession. It just kind of, it just came out where people started focusing on this area of medicine in the late 1970s and it gained popularity. And that's why we've talked about that it didn't become board a board certified specialty until 2012. Let's talk for a second on giving ourselves a hoo-ha lift. <laughs> yes. Let's get into some technology here. Yeah. So we are actually in a very exciting stage of medicine and science because, and I'm like, why didn't I come up with these things? But let me explain. So in the past when things, and this has been, as long as women have been out there and having babies, this is something that women have been facing. In ancient Egypt, no joke, when people's bladders were falling and vaginas were falling, you know, it, 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 all right, I got to take a step back. It <laughs> sounds like it's raining vaginas when you say that. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, so I'm going to take a step back. So it's sometimes difficult for patients to understand that when we say the bladder's falling, the vagina's falling, the rectum's falling, the uterus is falling, those aren't necessarily separate conditions because the support in the pelvis all goes together. So there's a wall that's there's ligaments that hold up the vagina and if those ligaments on the front wall of the vagina are not working then the bladder drops if they're not working on the back wall of the vagina then the rectum drops and then if they're not working at the top then the uterus drops so it's all kinds of goes together so i tend to use all those terms interchangeably but 
you you have to look at a picture to kind of understand it. And that's what I like to show patients, uh, a, a photograph or um, a diagram of what's happening because then you get the understanding. So back in ancient Egypt, when things were drooping and dropping, all they had was put something in the vagina to wedge things back up in place. And it was not uncommon for women to use pomegranates to place in the vagina to take up space and wedge things <laughs> into place. So I know I can see your face you know, on, the, on the podcast. Nobody can see her face, but she's looking at me like, what are you saying? But, um, because it, basically if you wedge something in there, and I'm not recommending that anybody find any household products or pomegranates or potatoes or anything that people have tried in, in oh, the gosh, past. You've probably heard it all. Yeah, but and well, in ancient so in ancient Egypt they used pomegranates. In ancient Rome they would use potatoes. Uh, they would use rocks. They would use stones. Like anything that they could wedge in there, that would keep it from falling out. Nowadays we have what's called a pessary, which is just a um, silicone device and they come in multiple different shapes and sizes that are non-surgical that can be wedged in to help lift things but that's based on these ancient ideas but wait a second you said earlier it's like trying on a shoe (laughs) yeah so you know and i say you know it's almost like also like goldilocks this one's too big this one's too small this one's just right so when i have people come in for their pessary fittings we have to sometimes try different shapes and sizes to get the right fit so um then we got into the surgical aspect and and there's been a lot of stuff in the news with surgeries um there's no, I think what I need people to understand about surgery is none of the surgeries that can be done to lift the pelvis are 100% permanent. And it's not like taking out your appendix. Once your appendix is gone, it's usually typically gone. Or you take your gallbladder out, it's usually typically gone. But to lift the vagina and lift the pelvis, you're dealing with the fact that we're upright beings and we're constantly facing gravity and none of the surgeries have been perfected to last a lifetime so if anybody ever promises you i'm going to fix it and i'm going to fix it once you know surgery is right for the right people is right for somebody who nothing else is working and it's affecting their quality of life i surprisingly have patients where things are hanging out no joke between their legs and they come into me and i say does that bother you and they tell me no and i think to myself i'm surprised i can't imagine that not bothering you but it's not bothering them it's not affecting their quality of life you leave it alone if it is affecting your quality of life, even if it's not hanging out of your body, then that's when you fix it. So, but what's really exciting now, and this is where I said, why didn't I think of this, is the new technologies that are coming out. And the new technologies are building on things that you probably see all the time, It is the aesthetics. They're using this is what la- we bonded over when we first connected. Yeah. They're using lasers. They're using, you know... They realized in the 1980s that laser technology, heating of the skin, would 
cause collagen regeneration and cause the skin to tighten. So they've been using cosmetic lasers since the 80s. Someone, you know, about 10 years ago, and unfortunately in the United States, it didn't come into the United States until 2016, but someone decided, wait a minute, if we can do that to the face and we could do that to the body, why can't we do that to the pelvis? So they made a separate probe that can be placed in the vagina, and now we can laser the vagina and rejuvenate or um, basically tighten that tissue. We can cause that tissue, that collagen, to to regenerate, and it not only tightens, they can they can lift, they can reverse um, thinning that happens to that tissue as we get older, called atrophic vaginitis, and now. Some of the tech, so that we start off with lasers, and now the technology is going into what's called radio frequency. Wait a second, one- just wait a second. It also does more things than just structural. It helps with sensation. It helps with oh, yeah. lubrication. It helps with urgency. All of those things. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, speaking that- firsthand. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, amazing. I, I shouldn't even blow over that, but especially. So the biggest thing is. You know, as we get older and our hormones start going down, we start losing estrogen, that vaginal tissue starts to thin out from lack of estrogen. And what those lasers actually can do is they are able to stimulate that tissue to regenerate. So now that thin tissue becomes thick again and it becomes healthier again. And not only does that help with lubrication, um, it helps with pain with sex. Uh, from my standpoint, I love it for people with chronic urinary tract infections and chronic vaginal infections, which no one ever thinks about. But those chronic urinary tract infections and vaginal infections happen because there's a change in the pH of the vagina that happens because of thinning of the tissue and you lose your healthy bacteria and all these things start happening and you get the side effects of these infections. So by making that tissue healthier, not only you're helping with more lubrication, um, less issues with painful sex, um, can help with urgency frequency, can help with incontinence. So there's all these different things that it can help with. Now, everybody's different how they respond to treatment so you can't guarantee that it's going to fix all those problems if you have those problems but those are some of the things you can see results with Mm -hmm. i have clients saying that they can do car rides with their families and they don't have to stop at every mile to relieve themselves or they're having that retention after they're fully voiding and they have their sex life back you know and i know it's amazing. I, I know specifically with the, uh, I've looked specifically at the numbers in the United States and half of all women 50 and older will experience some sort of pelvic problem in their lifetime. So now we're getting into these things where you don't have to have surgery. There's these non-invasive things that are coming out and the technology is advancing and I mean, that's a large amount of people that are going to experience that in their life. So for about $1,500 to $3,000, you can get about three of these types of treatments a few months apart. And it can be a game changer for people. 
again with the and with the lasers, I'll tell you from my experience is, and I've actually I've had it done myself, so I can speak for experience, not just for doing it to patients. The lasers usually take about five minutes, and they're not terribly uncomfortable if it's just on the inside sometimes people have to get it lasered on the outside and then you use like a numbing medicine or uh, some kind of anesthesia for that um i usually just use a topical numbing medicine patients do fine but um what happens is you usually just feel some cramping that day and you almost everybody i've ever done the next day they said they feel fine Mm-hmm. Even when even when I've always was nervous when I did the outside because basically the laser does make the tissue a little raw, and the companies always told me, oh, people will feel like they have have a sunburn for like a week. And every single one of my patients, I would check up with them and I'd be like, how do you feel the next day? And they were like, no, I felt fine. Just they were a little sore the first day, and that was it. So it's it's really amazing, and and all to think that that came from technology that was performed on the face, and now they're doing it internally. I think it's fantastic. So there's many different types of technologies. The two most common are going to be erbium laser, which is basically heating up the smooth mucosa, which is basically tissue that has a lot of water in it. That's why it's kind of moist, like on the inside of the mouth and the vaginal tract. And the erbium laser basically heats up the water, kind of vaporizes it a little bit. And that's what's causing that that collagen formation, which is really cool, and some remodeling. And then the radio frequency, it uses basically a field of energy from a negative and a negative, a positive and negative electrode, where there's energy being fired into the tissue. So it's it's kind of neat that we have these two options. So I work with erbium, and you work with radio frequency. I actually have um, I actually have a CO two laser. So that's another type of laser. So I have a I have a CO2 laser that use it's just with erbium and, and CO2 they're just different like I guess gases that they use to form the the laser. And then I have also an RF machine. And RF uses radio frequency which is sound waves that are vibrating so fast that they stimulate your cells to vibrate at such a fast um frequency that generates heat and we know with any of these technologies it's the heating of the tissue above a certain temperature that stimulates collagen regeneration so we're basically just triggering your body to heal itself which is absolutely amazing what is that the and heat even, shock protein so you know i'm not actually even sure of the, the actual That's process of, there we go yeah. digging into the science here yeah i think it stimulates the heat shock protein and then that's what starts that cascade. Anyways, I could be wrong. That's getting into like the really nitty gritty side of the science. Yeah. So heat shock proteins, actually a properly term protein. But, you know, coming from the, the aesthetic standpoint, these are things that are used on the face all the time to stimulate collagen and, you know, regenerate tissue. So it's interesting. They're just taking that technology for the face and applying it to the pelvis. So it's so funny. I have another interview with a, a fellow oculoplastic surgeon and friend, Dr. Patrick King, and he says something really funny about doing facelifts and that gravity always wins. It's kind of a bit of a letdown. Uh, that actually was kind of a bit of a joke there too. Anyways, uh, terrible <laughs> jokes right now. But you know, your face falls, but also your internal elements start to fall too so inversion tables has that ever been discussed in urogynecology you know um i think because it's not 
permanent. I think maybe if we could sleep upside down every day, maybe that would help. But I have seen things where if you take that pressure off the pelvis, you know, going back to the idea of a pessary, I've seen where someone who's wearing a pessary for a long period of time, that tissue will shrink up in the vagina or in the bladder that's that's drooping and you can see a, a reversal of their prolapse cool. because you take the pressure off the tissue will shrink up naturally on its own you know you, you have that pressure on that area it's going to gently stretch and stretch and stretch over time until you notice it it's like if you don't so, wear a supportive enough bra yes exactly gravity's it's, gonna it, win it, gravity <laughs> is going to win and it, you know it, it is unfortunate um but it is true and I think the other thing with these technologies, because of the fact that gravity is going to win, we can't get rid of that. So once again, these new technologies, non-invasive, have amazing results. They're not permanent. So there is a little bit of a, there is some maintenance that has to be done. Yeah. Some people will choose every two, six months or so, six months, year, or mm -hmm. whenever they're having symptoms too. Mm -hmm. I also have another thing is, so these are working on the RF and the lasers are working on the actual tissue. There is another device that I have called the Amcella. It's the only one that's out on the market that does this is the magnet chair. I sat on that and in it, Vegas last year. Is that, it's a funny feeling. <laughs> it's a very interesting feeling. It's like, but Oh, it, your uterus just did like 20,000 crunches. Exactly. So basically, you're sitting, you're sit fully clothed. There's a magnet, and the magnet trick triggers muscle contractions. So it does your Kegels at 80 times what you're able to do yourself. I never believed that the Kegels did much, even though we tell people to do them all the time. I think. One of the problems is I don't think a lot of us do it the right way, or maybe we just don't do it enough, but I never saw improvement in people's pelvises doing the Kegels. Now that we're triggering, triggering their bodies to do their own Kegels and we're doing it more efficiently, I never thought that strengthening the pelvic muscles would lift the pelvic floor, the bladder, or the vagina, or whatever you want to call it. And I see it now. And so that is also a, a treatment. It's usually twice a week for six weeks. But if you stop, it's just like if you go to the gym and you work out, great, you get in shape. You stop going to the gym over time, it's going to all come back. So either you have to keep up with it. And whether it's just doing those treatments just enough to strengthen those muscles and then working with your doctor or a pelvic physical therapist to figure out how to more efficiently do the Kegels so that you can maintain it or going in for uh, maintenance therapy where you're going and sitting on this chair. And it's a half an hour treatment. You sit on it. It feels kind of like someone's tea like a rubber band and kind of flicking you on the bottom depending on how high you turn the the the, the it actual... kind of makes you go like this Woo! yeah <laughs> when you get it when it gets just the right spot you're like and oh nice... <laughs> and one of the nice side effects of having stronger pelvic muscles is not just holding everything in place but it can actually help with sexual function. Mm -hmm. So the stronger your pelvic muscles, the more you can actually hold on to an orgasm or the stronger the orgasm can be. And the quicker it happens. Yeah. So, and actually with the pelvic magnet chair, they actually, men can use it to strengthen their pelvic floors. Uh, they don't have the same kind of like problems with things drooping and dropping like we do, but I mean, in a different way, they don't think anything 
falling out of their body because everything's already out. But <laughs> but you can they can strengthen their their pelvic muscles and help with sexual function with having stronger pelvic floor. Quick question. Muscles. How does the magnet because I know you have to kind of maneuver yourself on this chair to get just the right spot. When it's there, yeah. it's, you know, it's there. But how yeah. does the magnet work? You know, it's interesting. So the magnet, the the energy that's produced by the magnet is triggering muscle cells to contract. Mm-hmm. So it's is just it because the they're ionized? Because with yeah. muscle contraction, there's that you know the the threshold that has to be met. So is it? Tapping into that, the positive and negative voltage of the muscle cells? It is. It's basically just a, and the type of magnet that is in it is the same kind of magnet that they use in MRIs. So it's a very, very strong magnet. And it is, it's basically, you know, we have electromagnetic energy in our body naturally. So mm-hmm. it is kind of working with that to trigger these. these Random question though. Tr- what, if, <laughs> what if you go on and you're at the wrong angle and it shoots in your ovary? You know, there's no, I was going to say, the type of muscles that are in the fallopian tubes, the ovary itself really doesn't have any muscles, but there are muscles in the fallopian tubes, but they're smooth muscles. So my understanding is really going to work more on skeletal muscles, which are, which are a little bit different. You answered my question, because that was my big fear when I sat on it at the uh, Aesthetics Awards show in Las Vegas last year, was oh my gosh, did I just fry my ovaries? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's just like going into an MRI. There's no radiation. Like MRIs are completely safe. This is, it's just, it's just a strong magnet. Now I have to tell you an interesting story I heard from this weekend. And, um, this woman that was teaching this aesthetics class that I was at, she tried it, the machine and she, you know, like, most of us, well, sitting on it once is good, then sitting on it twice in the same day must be better. But she unfortunately experienced firsthand, she fatigued her muscles so much that later that day when she was walking down the street, she couldn't hold her urine in. Oh, no. Because she, she over-fatigued. So her muscles couldn't tighten and hold things in so they have scientifically figured out sitting on on for it's actually a 28 minute cycle that that's good but i would not recommend sitting on it more in one day or doing it more than three times a week just stick with the the established research protocols yeah exactly (laughs) we always try and push the limits a little bit as providers ourselves (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for going over the differences of uh, what a gynecologist does and what someone like yourself does as a urogynecologist and getting into some of the rejuvenation aspects of it. It was so great having you explain some of the science between the different technologies. I actually learned a little bit too about some of the other technologies. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. All right, everybody, be sure to listen to all four of these episodes with the lovely Dr. Betsy Greenleaf. And there's also a bonus one at the end where we talk about CBD and skincare. Okay, so in the first episode, we're going to ask Dr. Betsy Greenleaf what it was like to become the first board certified female urogynecologist in the U.S. Yes, the first board certified female. It's a big deal. 
In the second episode, we are both going to share how we stay balanced as busy professionals and the importance of holistic health to promote optimal beauty. In the third episode, Dr. Betsy Greenleaf and I are going to explain the differences between a gynecologist and a urogynecologist, and also some tidbits of information about female rejuvenation. In the fourth episode, Dr. Betsy Greenleaf and I are going to discuss the impacts of CBD on our bodies, where she is going to explain to us in a really in-depth way how CBD actually works and some of the latest research that is coming forth in regards to its use with anti-tumor, anti-inflammatory, and also as a pain reliever. And in the bonus episode, we are going to have a little bit of an off-the-cuff discussion on CBD in skincare and how, uh, you know, it's a bit of a fad and you are going to get our two cents on that as to health professionals and how we would suggest you go about looking at CBD in skincare and what to avoid, and what to look for. And where can people find some of your products? If you go to drbetsygreenleaf.com it'll have a list of all my other websites that you can go to um you and can find your, them all. that's your real last name yes my last name is greenleaf so that's why i kind of felt a little bit obliged to start my greenleafgear.com so, <laughs> i was like i had to take care of, i had to take advantage of the last name so. oh that was very uh, uh forward thinking of you well thanks so yeah. much for sharing and We'll chat soon. We're going to actually get a chance to meet in San Diego in I know, a few weeks. Wait. It's going to be it's, it's going to be amazing <laughs> at Mindshare Summit, which is uh, a top international health entrepreneur gathering. I yeah, can't wait to connect be- with another group of amazing souls. I mean, you're you're wonderful. I could tell right away when we first started chatting that you're just a wealth of knowledge and just wanting to help people. So thanks so much for doing the work that you do. All right. Thank you so much. 